welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design alignment guide, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited to share this week's episode with you. It's wicked fun. This is with Sheila Masterson. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sheila, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the magic that occurs in this episode. Sheila Masterson is a Philadelphia-based career and business tarot reader and teacher, energy healing facilitator, and host of the Living Tarot podcast. She's been reading people her whole life and hearing energy since she was a young child. She believes that everyone has the ability to connect deeply to their intuition and that tarot is an excellent tool for learning to trust yourself and learn to hear your inner voice. She's on a mission to break the paradigm of old fortune telling readings and instead strives to empower clients through collaborative sessions that help them connect with their own inner wisdom and move forward with confidence on aligned action steps. Sheila and I had so much fun in this conversation. And I think you will hear that. And we start the episode where she talks about the process of coming out of the broom closet. And then we move into, she gave me a tarot reading for my business that was so helpful. And one of the things you're going to hear that comes out of that session is the big announcement, secret project I've been working on literally since this episode, since we recorded this conversation a couple of weeks ago, I have started a YouTube channel. So Tina and I are still doing Inspiration Station with Kelsey and Tina. That is our YouTube channel. And then I have started a new one that's just me. That's Kelsey Abbott. And I will provide the link to that in the show notes. Please go and subscribe and do all the YouTube things and share it with people and, you know, do all the things. I love you. May magic come into your life in full force today. You are a miracle. I love you. Go forth and be awesome. Okay, Sheila. So you have this wonderful phrase. I don't know if anyone else says it, but you talk about coming out of the broom closet and I love it so much. <laughs> Can you tell us what that means? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I've heard this expression from several of my like witchy friends and it's really about that, like coming out as an intuitive person. And I had this experience when I was, I was basically having all these like incredible intuitive experiences and talking to the spirits of people who had crossed over to the other side. And I was so nervous about sharing it with the people in my life because I was coming from this background of being a corporate project manager and a very like business oriented person and not somebody who talked about things like this. And I was having a conversation with my sister who is um, amazing and she's bisexual. And she said, you talking about this reminds me of coming out because you're not so much afraid of people's reaction she's like but you're echoing a lot of the same things is that like people will think I'm somehow different than I always was when really all this stuff was always there I just didn't recognize it or talk about it and so she said that to me and then one of my witchy friends was saying um was telling her story of kind of coming out of the broom closet and opening up about all of this intuitive, incredible stuff that she was doing. And she was coming from a similar background of being very like logical and, and, you know, I believe what I can see. And I think it's, I love the expression because I do think that's often what happens. It's less just that people will think that you're crazy and more that you're afraid that people will think that you're like a completely different person when all of these things have been a part of you the whole time. Mm. So that's kind of like the shorter answer. I, I want the longer answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ready, ready, go. <laughs> um, so I, I really grew up in this environment that was very conservative and Catholic I'm only the second generation in this country. My grandmother came over from Ireland when she was 15. Um, and so having this experience of like very strict rules and um, 
you know, a very like blue collar family, which was like, you work, you, you go to a job, you work nine to five, you do these things, you make money, you have your family, like rules, you go to church every Sunday, you pray, you get all your sacraments, like all this stuff. And I, I had always had this experience of feeling very disconnected when I, when I was in church and, um, I went to Catholic school. I hated it, hated it. I, I absolutely hated it. And no offense to anybody who liked Catholic school, but I felt like there was so much, everything was like twisted to control and to make people feel guilty about what even as a kid, I perceived to be like normal human impulses and experiences. And, you know, I was always uncomfortable with things like mission work and things like that. And I'm like, I mean, I understand going and assisting in other places, but like trying to like convert people to your belief system always seems so strange to me. Like if they're curious and they want to learn, sure, absolutely. But if you're going there and like basically indoctrinating people, like that feels so like forceful, you know, like, and to me, it always felt like having to believe these things. And then at the same time, you know, we would leave church and my parents would be like, energized and like they felt great and and they like loved it you know and I I saw that and I was like that's true like that's how they feel but it's not how I felt I always felt terrible and I felt bored and I I didn't see a lot of honesty and authenticity and I have a lot a lot of strong and polarizing opinions (laughs) about the Catholic Church that I won't share but (laughs) but I think I really was raised in this environment of like, there's only one way to do things and it's this way. And, and there wasn't, I mean, in Catholicism, at least the way I was raised, there's not a lot of room for questioning and experiencing on your own and like making your own decisions and having autonomy. Like everything is very controlled. And to me, that always felt so unnatural and so strange. And like, well, why would somebody else know better like why is the priest elevated above everybody else and why are there no female priests and why can't they be married like just a bizarre thing and why are we going to a wedding and a man who's never been married is giving advice to people about what it's like to be married he doesn't fucking know like he has had no experience with that he's probably had no serious relationships and anyway Emily, I have to share with you, I am seeing your child self so strongly right now. And she's just like in this, what the fuck? Exactly. This is not the way. This isn't the way. And there was so much, there was so much hatred. Like there was so much hatred disguised and fear disguised as what's right. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, we can't have gay people and you know, abortion is wrong. And like all these very like black and white views of things. And for me, like all I could see was like the lack of compassion and empathy for an experience that's not your own. And for me, that just felt so strange. It was like, yes, we can help out poor people, but only like these type of poor people. And like, we should stand up for everybody who is, who is, um, you know, there's this whole history in, in the Catholic church of like martyrs and saints and these people who stood up for their beliefs and, and advocated for, for people who needed help and, and raised the voices of those who were oppressed, but there wasn't a whole lot of that going on. Um, at least at my church, they were very anti-gay. They would put, propaganda out and tell people things and and there were things written up in bulletins and all of this stuff and you know I remember having this conversation with my mom and I was like what gay people do you know like how can you be a judge of this and how does it in any way affect you I was like like truly like why do you care you have had no experience with this and um and I think she kind of like changed her tune a little bit after that but you know, I was just like, you know, nothing about this. And I think it promotes groupthink and this idea that like, we all have to believe this thing and no one can question it. And, and that's where I really think, I mean, that's like cult thinking, you know what I mean? Like, it's not okay. And I won't go so far as to call the Catholic church a cult. I will leave that up to other people to decide, but 
I do think that whenever you have a situation where questioning and where reevaluating belief systems and and historic belief systems, and quite frankly, taking responsibility for a history of violence and oppression and victimizing people, you know, I think, man, this got like really religious, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's not trying to come on here and just bash religion. I really do think that there are wonderful things about it too, like having community and like coming together with like-minded people to talk about your beliefs and and get inspired and do great work. I think that's also part of it. But I think the human element of trying to control people is problematic. <laughs> like and and not encouraging children in particular to question things and to come up with their own idea of of what their belief system is and not having to just take everything that you're handed because that doesn't create that doesn't create adults that are receptive and understanding and empathetic or even have a connection to their own beliefs. And I think that my experience with my gifts would have been so different if somebody had said, your experience might be totally different. Like what happens when you get quiet? Like, do you hear things? Do you see things? Like, what do you notice about other people? Um, How do you, you know, connect to yourself? I had no sense of that, you know? And I think that I would have realized, you know, well before I was 30 years old, (laughs) that all of these things were going on. And and when you say it, it sounds crazy. Like, how can you get to be like a full-fledged adult and have no idea that you're hearing things, you're hearing energy and you're seeing things and, and all of this stuff. But I think when you're raised to believe one thing and it's a very rigid thing, there can't be a lot of questioning around it. And so you just find a way to explain away any intuitive impulses that come in as a coincidence or a miracle or whatever, you know? I love that miracle counts in there. It's, we're more likely to accept miracles than intuition. Exactly, exactly. And I think there's this whole this whole sense of having to like blindly believe things. But I'm like, because I think there's so much fear that if you empowered people to question and to come to their own determination of faith, that you would lose them. But I actually think it's very much the opposite. I think if you allow there to be more space for people to actually have their own experience or their own connection, or, um, you know, to stay out of like other people's personal business and not have that somehow connected to religion, I think people's experience with growing up and knowing what they want would be so powerful because one of the things that I've experienced and that almost every single person I work with in tarot sessions and in energy work sessions is that they don't, they don't know what they want. They know what they've been taught to want and they know what they think they should want, but they don't know what they do want. And I think, you know, it would be such a different experience to raise children from the time they're young to connect to that and to connect to questioning things as well, because that will serve people in everything that they do. You know, we would have way less organizations where, you know, sexual harassment and sexual assault and racism and white supremacy was like thriving if people weren't afraid to be like, hey, you know what? I think the way we do this is like a little racist or a little sexist. I think this is problematic. You know, I think there would be so much more opportunity for people to feel like they can advocate for themselves. Mm. So that's the long version. (laughs) But wait. That was like the backstory for the long version. Where do we get to the part where you actually come out of the broom closet? Yes. So I, I went through, I, I had been teaching yoga for a while and I decided just was kind of like intuitively divinely led to notice this email from the studio about taking Reiki training and I had always known about Reiki, but I was always like, oh, that's too woo-woo for me. Like, I'm a, I'm a practical lady. Like, I, I don't need that. But I saw it and I was like, well, I need continuing education credits and it's this weekend and I'm free. I'm not doing anything else. So I'll just do it. So I went and I was paired up with a woman during the training who 
was already a Reiki master. And the first time we were like doing these exercises just to kind of get used to sensing energy. And the first time she worked with me, she was like, oh, and she was like, um, she was like, you've, you've done this in many lifetimes. Like you've been a healer in many lifetimes. And when it's the right time, you'll be able to see, you'll be able to hear Like, don't worry about it. Don't rush it. And I was like, yeah, okay, lady. You know, I was kind of like, but I liked, I liked the class and it gave me the first impression of like, oh wait, like I am hearing something. Like when I was a kid, I would say, um, I used to listen to the air in the house to hear who was going to come upstairs next. Well, I wasn't hearing sounds. I was hearing the energy of the people in my family and I knew who everyone was and how their energy sounded. So like, I knew my brother, I knew my mom, I knew my dad, I knew my sisters. Um, and I could sense who it was before ever seeing them or hearing them or smelling them. You know, it was just like, I could hear it. And I would lay in bed at night as a little kid and, and hear that. And I, I loved to do that. Like, I loved to just listen to that. And here I am as an adult, like 30 years old in this Reiki one class being like, oh my God, I was just like hearing energy and still ever the skeptic. I was like, um, maybe we'll see, but I liked it. And I started working with it a little bit. And then my, my partner who I worked with and one of my good friends were both, you know, they could feel stuff when I, when I was working with them and I could too. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get level two and just like see after that. So I went and got level two learned a little more. Um, and right after level two, which I understand this is something that a lot of people experience when they go through their, I hate the term spiritual awakening, but that's just what I'll use because people have context for that. Um, I got really sick. Like, I mean, for two weeks, I was just like, it, it was like a full body detox and it started at the crown of my head with like these like top of my head headaches, which I never get. I get headaches and I have my whole life, but like never like this. And it came down almost like through my whole body. It was like the headache. And then it was my sinuses. And then I was all, my skin was all broken out. And then I was having like reflux and a cough and my stomach was super upset. And like, it was just like, I mean, full body, full system. It was awful. I was like, I, I was like, I'm, I'm dying. I don't know what's happening for two weeks. I was so sick. And I went to, I had been going to acupuncture because I'd had, I basically tried everything for reflux I was having. And so I went to my acupuncturist um, because I'd had so much luck with the reflux. And I was like, I don't know if I'm getting over the flu. I don't know what's going on. And he, you know, he kind of worked on me a little bit and he's like, it seems like you're detoxing. He's like, I don't think you're sick. I think you're detoxing. And I was like, oh, and it was just like this huge revelation and so when I came out of that was when everything got weird, <laughs> as I like to say, um, it was like, I was super connected all of a sudden and I didn't know what was going on. So that's kind of like the very beginning. Oh, I love that so much. And it's so interesting. I love that you can actually pinpoint when everything got weird. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it is more gradual. And, um, the reason I say that is because I think I, I had an impression of everything before then. And as I started working with people, um, I remember asking my teacher this question. I said, um, sometimes when I'm working with people with Reiki, I feel like there's people walking in and out of the room. And he knew what was going on very quickly, but he didn't want to freak me out. And quite frankly, he really, really read the energy on that because if he had been like, oh, Sheila, you're a medium, I would have been like, <laughs> no, that doesn't exist. Um, so, you know, I kind of had that experience of sharing that. And he was kind of like, well, he's like, you can, you know, do these things to protect the room a little bit better and to set intention a little bit better, but it might always be something that you're dealing with in one way or another. And I was kind of like, okay. So the really weird thing that happened is shortly after that, I had a dream. I started having this shoulder pain in my right shoulder and I was very into fitness at the time. And, you know, I, I taught yoga 
a bunch of times a week. I went to yoga, I ran, I lifted weights, I did bar, I did all kinds of stuff, um, but very, very active. And I was having this shoulder pain and it would move all over the place. So I'm going to, I go to the chiropractor, you know, I, I go to a physical therapist, I go to my acupuncturist, like, no, I can't replicate it. It's not like, oh, every time I lift weights or, and actually it never happened when I was doing something physical, it would only happen at other times and it would move. And sometimes it was like in the front of my shoulder and sometimes in the top and sometimes in the side and sometimes like a little bit farther, like into the, into the joint. And sometimes it was like, like a deep ache in my collarbone, like my collarbone was broken. Like it felt like a broken bone or something. Um, and I was like, this is the strangest thing. I don't know what is happening. So I'm going all over the place trying to figure this out. And then I have this dream. And in the dream, a friend of mine who had passed away a couple of years ago was trying to talk to me and his mouth was moving, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. And it was really profound. I've, I had never... I mean, I had had visitation dreams before that. I just didn't, I blocked them out a little bit. Um, but it was the first one that I really remembered. And it was like, it was powerful. And I woke up from the, in the dream, I was having the shoulder pain. And I woke up from the dream and was physically having like the most intense of the shoulder pain. And I was like, and I, <laughs> I woke my partner up and I was like, the craziest thing happened. And I'm like telling him all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, okay, like go to sleep, you know? <laughs> And I was like, oh, that was so interesting. So I went to my acupuncturist and told him about it. And he was like, hmm. He was like, well, he's like, maybe what we need to do is do a couple of points to try to like open things up and for you to try to just be open and not be afraid. And I was like, well, easier said than done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm, I am a cautious person. So I'm like, okay, fine. You know, let's try it. And again, like always just expecting nothing to happen. So he puts the points, the needles in, walks away. And within like five minutes, it was like, I don't know how to describe it, except to say it was like my friend was there. And I, I felt like he just walked right up to the table and I could kind of see him. And, and he basically, there was a lot of questions about what exactly had happened when he died. It was very sudden um, and unexpected. And so he basically told me about what happened. And then he was telling me about his brother, his younger brother, um, and told me all this stuff and it probably went on for about 15, 20 minutes. And, um, it was very emotional and then he was gone. And so I did what I think everybody would do in that scenario. I had the acupuncturist come back and take the needles out and I ran home and pretended that it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I, I was like, Nope, Nope. (laughs) I was like, that was, but it was, it was so, I knew it happened. Like it, it was so powerful and it was so direct. Um, and he really wanted me to talk to his parents. And I was like, Mm-mm. I was like, I, I, I am not doing this. I was like, I do not need everybody thinking that I've lost my mind. You know, I, I was like, I do, I'm, I'm not ready to talk about this stuff that I started to experience. I don't even know how to talk about it. Um, And so I went and talked to his parents and it was like, it was so profound to me because I didn't believe in mediumship. I didn't, I had, I had no experience with it or with seeing somebody do it or anything other than like the commercials for like Long Island medium. Um, And I think I, I didn't even understand why anyone would want to talk to the dead. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But had this really profound experience of providing some closure to them that was really powerful because he had told me stuff about his brother. And when I went to them and I was like, his brother was in recovery. And I was like, I don't know if he just started a new job or is going to be starting a new job, but it feels like it's not as supportive of his sobriety. And he's worried that it will kind of creep up on him because he's been in recovery for a while and he'll think he's fine. He'll think he's fine. And then all of a sudden won't be fine. Um, and they were like, I mean, they like went way, they were like their jaws were on the floor and they were like, he literally just started a new job this week. They were like, but 
it's not just that they were like, we haven't told anybody in case it didn't work out or like he felt like it wasn't right. So literally no one knows. There's no way you could know that they were like, and also um, it's, it's doing a job at a casino. It's not full-time it's, and it's not related to like the casino work. It's more like construction, but it is like triggering in some ways. And he doesn't have as many people around him that know his history to kind of pull him out of it and hold him accountable. And for me, and it was that, and it was several other like more personal things about exactly what had happened and also about um, some of the choices that they made after he died that, that they were worried about that were so, were like almost like explicitly words that he had said to them before he had died that I had no idea about. And so it was this, it was really profound and you know, we were all crying. <laughs> like it was just, it was really powerful. And um, and I, I'm so grateful for that experience. But it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, so, I, like, how do you even approach? Did you like call his parents up and you're like, um, so it's your son's friend Sheila, and um, <laughs> I kind of talked to your son. <laughs> So it, it helped a little bit that I have a relationship with them. So they're my parents' best friends. Okay. So we grew up together. So he was like a brother to me more even than like a friend because we did family vacations together and we're the same age. And um, so I, you know, I known him longer than I've known my own brother, you know? And so basically I called them up and I was like, Hey, like, I, I want to talk to you about something like, could I come over and talk to you about something tomorrow? And I didn't tell them what it was at all. And of course, like me not thinking about it at all, I got there and they were like, is everything okay with your parents? Like, What's going on? Like, you know, and, and they're like wonderful. And they're like a second set of parents to me, you know, but like, I was like, oh, I should have said it was nothing to worry about. Like they've probably been worried for like 24 hours now. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it was such, it was such a profound experience and one that I'm very grateful for. Um, and they were absolute, I mean, she's like, it was right before Christmas that year. It was literally like the Friday before Christmas. And she's like, you don't understand. She's like, I was literally like sitting in this chair talking to him last night. And I was like, I just wish we had a sign that you were okay. Like we miss you so much. The holidays are really hard. And it was just such, it was like such an experience of like both what was going on with them and what was going on with me. And I was like, okay, but like, you can't, you can't tell anyone, <laughs> like do not tell anyone. Um, because I was really nervous. I was like, you know, you can tell your family or whatever, but like, don't tell my parents <laughs> because I was like, they, they will not respond well. Like I, I know them and I know they will not respond well. Um, so that's kind of like how it started and what really inspired me to start to be more open to, to what was coming up and, and allow things to come in instead of trying to explain them away. And do your parents know now? They do. Yeah. How do they, how did that conversation go? <laughs> so I had a conversation. I finally decided because my mom's friend messaged me and she was like, it's totally your decision. She's like, but I absolutely think you should tell your mom. And she has known my mom a lot longer than I have. Like they're friends from high school. They're, they've been friends for like, you know, 40 something years, you know? Um, and I was like, Ooh, I don't know. You know, like I, it just, I, I knew what the reaction was going to be, but I was like, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so basically I had an, ex I, I explained what happened with them. And then I also had an experience with my, my grandmother who had passed away that year, earlier that year um, that I told her about that was like, when I told my sisters about it, they were like, oh my God, that's so her. Like, basically she told me where something was hiding, which is like, it's a gag that we do in our house every year at Christmas. But she basically told me where my parents had hid this thing. And I was like, I don't even think it would fit in there. And sure enough, it was in there. And I was just like, oh my God, this is the exact kind of mischief she would get into. Um, so basically I told my mom and she was very uncomfortable. I mean, she, 
I think she really tried in in her best way to do it, but her whole experience has been just one thing. And I understand that. I think she could do better. Um, but she basically was like, I'm really worried about you being open to this stuff and I, I don't understand it. And I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was not a good reaction. And I think because of that, I was more hesitant to share with other people. So for example, it took me, I mean, I'm going to say it was a good three months or so after that, that I finally told my partner and I was like real nervous about it. So all of this stuff was going on and like spirits were talking to me and like there was stuff happening around the house and like weird shit was going on. And I just was like, and I think even with my friends, like I was, I was distracted. I was really afraid to tell people about it, but everybody else in my life, I think really took it in stride. And I have to give them credit for that. My partner in particular, because I think if shoe on the other foot, if he had come to me at that time and been like, Hey, I'm experiencing all this stuff. I'm not sure I would have been like, okay, like, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. Like, I didn't need people to be like, I believe you. Like, that sounds cool. Like, tell me more. I just needed people to like, not think that I was like losing it, you know? And, and I had the experience of like going to a therapist and being like, Hey, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. (laughs) She was like, no, she's like, and also this is not the first thing that people do if they have schizophrenia. They're not like, let me call a therapist (laughs) and just make sure she's like, so, you know, you're, you're pretty much in the clear here. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what the the experience of of coming out was like. Um and you know, it was hard. I was scared for a lot of it and I was really afraid that I would like lose authority or lose credibility. I think was like the biggest fear I had because I'd been in corporate America and I was like, okay, well, the only thing that is, you know, you have to like credibility and And all of that is like so valued there and it's only seen as one thing, you know? Do you buy into that at all anymore? No. (laughs) It's like, even as you're saying it, I'm like, there's no energy there. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's not. And I think, you know, I do think that intuition and, you know, understanding that in business is so important and nobody talks about it. Like, or people only talk about it in this way that is like, oh, this person who is super successful now, like Jeff Bezos listened to his intuition about books and everybody was like, what do you mean you want to do a bookstore online? That's crazy. And everybody can, it's palatable when you're talking about somebody's success story, listening to their intuition. It is not palatable if it's at the beginning of it, because back then nobody was like, oh, this guy's so intuitive and he just understands like other people's understanding of intuition of our listening to our intuition only comes after we've been like so-called successful at something. And so there's just this experience of, okay, well, like how, how do you account for like knowing something in business? Because when you are, and, and that's the thing, like you don't just have to be in an intuitive career or like a, a card reader or a human design reader or anything like that. Like even when I was in business, I could use intuition. Like we hired this guy and I was like, that guy is never going to start here. And they were like, he's great. Like they were so excited and I had to rush to like get everything ordered for him and get everything set up for him. And sure enough, he called the day he was supposed to start and he accepted a job somewhere else. And I was like, I knew it. Like I just... There's no context for how I knew it, but I knew it, you know, and even with different projects and stuff, like people don't listen to that because it's not valued. What can we do about that? Oh my God. That is a great question. So I think one of the things that I have been working so hard on since going through this whole experience myself and leaving my corporate job and all of this stuff is how to like normalize checking in with that and normalize having conversations about intuition, which is like, I mean, it was the whole genesis of me starting my podcast, Living Tarot, because I wanted to talk about how intuition shows up for people in their real lives. So I interview people who are intuitives and readers. And I also interview people who are entrepreneurs and businesswomen and 
like really talented, smart, savvy people who are not like traditionally like intuitive, you know what I mean? But still use that instinct in everything they do. So part of it, I think, is having more open conversations about the things that quote unquote don't make sense um, or the decisions that we make that in the moment where we're like, this is not right. Like I can, I feel it because I think bringing it into the body is a big deal. It's like, I, I feel it in this moment. I know I'm not in the right job or I feel it in this moment. I know this isn't the next right step on this project where this isn't the right person to hire. Um, and it doesn't have to make sense. Like it doesn't always have to look good on paper because let me tell you something, working for a fortune 500 company for seven years, I saw a lot of decisions that were made that were good on paper that I knew were stupid. And guess what? They were stupid. The people making them knew they were stupid. And that's the thing. Like you said, you could, you could see that there was no energy behind that. Like you lose credibility thing. It's, it's the same thing. Like you can sense that when there's no heart and there's no belief behind it. Like you can't just prove things to yourself with numbers or with paper. Like that's not how businesses run. And so I think normalizing that conversation, and it's a big thing about what I do with tarot and with the tarot readings that I do, is really focus on career and business and how to make these practical tools for everyday life. Because as cool as it is to do a ritual and connect with yourself and have a healing session and all of that is incredibly important and powerful and really potent. And I would encourage everybody to do it. There's also something to be said for being able to bring that into your daily life in practical ways, because if you only use it in in a vacuum, in the perfect scenario, in a ritual ceremony, when things are peaceful and calm, it's not really serving you in life, you know? Yes. I know we talked about on your podcast, how like the, the way human design and tarot can work together. Like you've got human design shows you your blueprint, shows you your alignment. You come into that and you're still going to have very human things. Yes. That Like the answer probably is in your chart, but like you're a human and you can't figure it out. Tarot can be so helpful with that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I find to be most powerful about tarot since I've been teaching for a while and, and using it myself all the time is I can, I can know all these things and you can know all of these things, but the day to day can get a little bit murky and tarot has been one of the best tools that I've seen to help people connect to their intuition which is something that a lot of us have lost from being in this other place. And it holds you accountable. And it literally, this is one of the things that I love about it. When you talk about the practical science side of it, when you look at a tarot card, you have to stop whatever the active thinking cycle is. So if you are in an anxiety loop or you are in like a stress loop or you're just like telling yourself some active thinking thing, you literally cannot read tarot and stay in that. So it forces your brain into receptivity mode, which finally allows like new stuff to come in, like new information can come in. And you it really is like an amazing tool that brings both the physical plane and the intuitive plane together. So like you're saying, I think like human design is such a powerful way to understand yourself and understand your strengths and get like back into alignment with what actually works for you. And tarot is the tool that you can use to keep yourself accountable to that. Like, this is what I said I'm going to do. Am I actually doing this in this moment. And one of the things that has been really powerful for me is just one question. So if you're out there and you have a deck, even if you have an Oracle deck or whatever, is just asking the question, what do I need right now? And when you're talking for people who have been so disconnected from intuition for so long, or are really like trying to get back on track with it, or are coming out of like trauma, like this is one of the things that has helped me really deeply with my own trauma is asking that question because like how often do we connect with ourselves like that and like what do I need right now is such a powerful question no matter where you're coming from in your life you know 
Yeah. And it's so one that we rarely ask. We ask other people, what do you need right now? Exactly. What does this plant need right now? Yeah. Who we don't ask, which is this body? What does this soul, what does this mind need right now? Yeah. And especially for women, for people who are socialized female or are raised female or are perceived as femme, um, there is an understanding that we will take care of everybody else first and then we will take care of our own needs. And I'm like, that's some bullshit. Like Mm -hmm. you cannot. And I, I mean, it's like that trite thing of like, you can't pour out from an empty cup, but like, I see people try to do that constantly and try to worry so much about other people constantly. And then they don't, they don't understand like what's going on in their body. You know, I, I work with people doing energy work. I work with people in tarot and like, they're so disconnected because they've spent so much time worrying about everybody else's experience before their own. And then it's a process of trying to reintegrate and come back into that experience because either they're having health issues or they're having like severe anxiety and like, they don't know how to deal with it. So can we play with tarot? Yes, of course. <laughs> Always. Do you have a favorite deck? Oh, it's so hard. I like I truly feel like they're like my babies. But right now, just before Christmas, I I'm a huge fan of like indie tarot decks. So like I like collecting art. I I collect these independent decks because I think they're beautiful and I love to see people's interpretations of the cards because they're really just like mirrors for human experiences. That's why I always say like things like the death card and stuff like that are not that scary because like we all experience that. We all experience having to let go of something in order to become what we really need to be. And they're just mirrors of what we experience. And unfortunately, not everything we experience is positive, you know, and some of it is challenging. But right now I've really been working with it's called the Super Lunaris deck. Um, and I did the Kickstarter for it. And it is, it's a really beautiful deck. I'm trying to like, I should have pulled some of my favorites out ahead of time. But like, it's just such like, the artwork is so powerful. It's really gorgeous. Um, it's very and, galactic. Oh, it is. And it has like a very deep understanding of, like, I can tell when I look at a deck, if if the person like reads tarot, you know what I mean? Because sometimes people understand the concept or they understand the meaning, um, but they don't, they don't totally get it. And, and even like this two of wands, for example, is Mm. such a good one because it's so like, I look at that and I'm like, this person reads tarot because they like get, they get the energy of that card, which is really just like this experience of, trying to like take these ideas that are kind of sprinkling around in our head and really like brainstorm and see like where we need to go next. You know, it's, it's really about like, kind of like starting to plan out the route of, of how to get there, you know? And I really, I love this deck. It's really beautiful, but I love this deck. I started and read for like, I started with the Smith Rider Waite, um, which is like the traditional, what everybody thinks of when they think of tarot. Um, but that's not a deck that likes to be used for other people. Um, and the decks are inanimate, I know, but like they all have like a little bit of personality. So some of them are very, some of them are very literal <laughs> and some of them are more like emotional and expressive and some are like, just don't read as well for other people I've noticed. Um, but I read for quite a long time with the star child tarot, which is very galactic as well. So I think I have like, I'm kind of into that like spacey starry kind of energy for sure. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of an old bathing suit I had. Yes. <laughs> for the galaxy. It was a, it was a grab bag suit that had the galaxy on it. Yes. You loved it. All right. So I want to know like, what I need to know about my business right now. Ooh, such a good question. Okay, let's see. And I know this is something you're getting more into. Oh, okay. So this is really interesting. So the card that came up is the six of 
pentacles reversed. I'll hold it up right just so you can see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting card because it's about it's like the the bachelor. It's got, it is. It's got some it's, dude on it. It does. It does. And he's giving out money to the poor. And it's very interesting because whenever the card comes up reversed, I usually read it as something that's going on in our like internal experience. So it's not like the opposite of the card. And with this card, I'm really getting this energy around wanting the exchange that you have with people, um, whether it's clients or or otherwise in terms of like, you know, sharing responsibilities around the household and stuff to be more in alignment and feeling like you're, you really need to concentrate now on what actually feels reciprocal and, and is actually going to take care of both like what you need energetically and what you can reasonably put out energetically and isn't feeling like you're giving too much or like like over delivering on everything, which is like a thing that comes back to feeling, feeling worthy and feeling like you're, you're doing enough or you're providing enough. And something that I notice happens a lot, especially for readers and healers and alike is that like, we always want to be doing more. I always want to do more for people, but with the six of pentacles, it's about really concentrating on what makes the most sense for how you want to feel and what kind of exchange you want to be having with people and anywhere where it might be feeling like it's not worth the energy you're putting in. And this isn't just about money. It it goes way beyond that. It's, it's an energetic feeling. So it's like anywhere where it feels like you're giving too much and you're not receiving enough back from it that's something that you need to assess and either adjust to be more in alignment for you or consider turning into something else or letting go of temporarily or forever, you know, or at least like for the foreseeable future. Does that this make sense? This is exactly where I am right now. I recently gave myself a raise. Nice. Congrats. Uh-huh. You deserve Thanks. it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm feeling very strongly i want to receive abundance for sharing my work with the world i love the concept i'm a non-specific manifester in human design and so are you and i love the concept of just being my receiving abundance for being my authentic self and having that you know money comes in wherever money wants to come in and i am so grateful for that and I would like the more of an equal exchange for my work. Yes. And receiving. Yes. Yeah. Exactly what you were saying. Yeah. And I think that's going to come from, so actually it's funny that I pulled that two of wands out earlier because here it is again, reversed. I think that's really going to come from when, whenever we're talking about the wands, we're really talking about connecting with not just what we're passionate about, but also what like our purpose is. And, and I say like, it kind of goes beyond some people do work in their life that is like their job is their purpose. But for a lot of people, it is like something else. And sometimes it's kind of mixed in there in some ways. But I think this is really interesting because the first thing that comes into my mind and, and what I'm hearing with this is a real need to start with the thing that you're like most drawn to and most excited about, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense or you don't, it's like, you're trying to see the the finish line or how it like plays into your business. And you're only going to see that once you kind of start like doing it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I, I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So a couple weeks ago, or last week, I don't know when it was. I got this super sparkly idea. I already have a YouTube channel with my friend Tina, and I was like, I'm gonna start a solo YouTube channel. Felt so jazzed by it. And I told my husband, I'm like super sparkly and sharing the the idea. And he was flat on it. So then I tell my assistant, and I'm like super sparkly, and she's like, Okay, so what we're going to do is like, again, super flat on it. Then I tell another business bestie about it. Like I like sparkle myself up like, okay, I can get excited about this. And again, she's like super flat on it. I'm like, 
All right. So why are the people closest to me not feeling the sparkle? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. Cause one of the things that I see come up with the two of wands is like, especially reversed like this, it's personal. Like, I think like you have to be the instigator of the plan and you have to be the one getting like jazzed about it. And you have to be like really committed to whatever it is that you're doing. Even if like, like I always start with this because when I was thinking about like creating the podcast, this is one of those things that came up and I was like, but how does this like work with what I want to do? And I was like, I, I don't know. I want to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> like, I was just like, I, I get it. Like nobody else has a concept of what it is to create that. And people in my life are like, okay, like that sounds cool, I guess, you know, but then once I put it out there and people listen to it, I had all these people texting me and being like, oh my God, I love this. Like, this is so cool. And I think it's one of those things where you might not see exactly what it's going to be. You just have to kind of start somewhere and nobody starts from this place of like being totally aligned. And it's one of the things um, when I was launching my podcast, I was working with somebody who was like giving me help with it. And she was like, listen, just go back and listen to the first couple episodes of your favorite podcasts and let go of the idea that it needs to be perfect, you know? And, and that's really, and it was so helpful for me because I can get very much into that, like perfectionist mode. I need to know exactly what this is. And when you work for yourself, you really want to be using your energy efficiently but what's going on with this is really about it's okay to do something just because you want to. And like it might eventually turn into something else, but like what would make it something you want to do all the time? Like what what would make that happen for you? Because I think that that's where you're going to actually connect with something that that could be like really powerful and really exciting for you. But when you start from this place of having to know exactly how everything fits together, it's kind of a mess, you know, and, and it's not going to make sense until you kind of take the first part of that journey, you know? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And there's also some of this um, Wheel of Fortune energy around this as well, which um, I always consider to be like a good a good energy that kind of comes up around something because it really is like propelling you towards something that is exciting and new and um, has a lot of potential. But what's important to remember with the wheel is that, you know, wheels go around. So there's like down points as well, where you might feel a little frustrated, which I think is part of like what's going on now. And everybody's like kind of flat and you're like, I'm so excited about this. Like, and and that's always going to sweep back up. And ultimately, especially with that two of wands. And then I also had the eight of swords come up, which is about this card's kind of dark, but it's, really it's dark. about like a, a prison of the own, our own mind. You know what I mean? At, which is a dark place. <laughs> like, let's be honest, but it's about not, not allowing this, like, I don't, I don't know what to do first or like, it's really like getting in our own way. It's less about an actual issue and more about like the story that we're telling ourselves in our mind. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. having to slowly break out of that. And when I see like the wheel and the two of wands and that card here, it's really like in this moment, it's not going to necessarily make sense. And it might be a little bit before it makes sense, but that doesn't mean that it's the wrong option or that it's not something worth putting your time and energy into. And I think in those moments when you're doubting, you're really going to have to connect to like that, that purpose and that desire to, to do this. Like what is driving you beyond wanting to just have like the one that you already have, um, or the podcast, like what, what is it about that, that is really like pushing you forward and just keep coming back to that in those moments and like meditate on that and sit with that. And I, I think that'll be really powerful. That's all so perfect and so beautiful. And uh, I told you on, when we recorded on your podcast that I, whenever I went to people for tarot, I was always a little disappointed because I always knew. I was like, mm -hmm. I know. And they were like, yeah, Kelsey, that's because you can do this. <laughs> and I 
Yeah, like I knew you were going to say something about, I was like, oh, today's the day I learned that I am doing a YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> and, and and I was like, because it had been percolating in my head, like maybe this is about not giving any fucks about other people's sparkle. It's my sparkle. That's what's to be shared. That's what wants to come out. Yes, yes. So in this point, it wasn't, it wasn't disappointing at all that I knew it was coming. It was a yes. Yeah. And this, okay. So it's very interesting that you say that as well, because one of the things that I experience most often is I, I always feel as an intuitive, ultimately what I'm doing is confirming what other people intuitively know and, and not telling them anything like it's not that I'm not telling them something new, but it's confirming something that they know that they need like permission to know. You know what I mean? It's like they they know it and they feel it. And, and that same sense that you have of this is I feel like a lot of what happens because ultimately you're in the moment or you're like a lot of people, it's like they're just on the precipice of it. And like in the next week, they'll text me and be like, everything makes so much sense now. You know what I mean? Like I, I get it, you know? But it's not like the traditional how I see tarot portrayed a lot as this like fortune telling because we have free will. So like your fortune could change tomorrow because you decide to change your attitude or you decide to marry someone that you just met on the street. Like, I mean, like that shit can change so fast. But what I find to be much more helpful is that sense of okay, what do we need to know in this moment for you to make the best decision for you? And ultimately, like, you already have access to that. And in that session, you're basically, like, allowing yourself to know what you already know and to, like, fully believe it and to get that, like, extra step of encouragement. Um, and even stuff like, like, I always talk to people about, like, how to take, like, the next couple action steps. Like, like what are we going to do next? so that you can kind of take this further and like what needs, you know, what needs to happen financially, what needs to happen in terms of getting support, like who can you connect with that's actually going to give you that support so that you can actually make this decision. So when I, when I work with people, I'm always talking about that stuff as well. Like what resources do you need to call on in order to feel like you're empowered as you're making this decision? And when those doubts and those fears come up, that you have somebody who's going to be like, no girl, like you got this, you know? Yes. I love this so much. <laughs> yeah. So that's really like what I've been working on a lot. And then, um, you know, I think the other thing that happens a lot and one of the things that I have enjoyed so much um, over this year is I've worked with quite a few people who have um, either been laid off or because of COVID had major changes to their careers. And I've worked with people as they've gone through the process of, I'm trying to decide what I'm looking for. I'm starting to look, I'm getting offers and interviews, and then I'm negotiating those offers. And what I have experienced in working with people and the whole reason that I decided to focus in on career and business tarot um, is because the people who come into the session are ready to, to do work. Like they, they know what they want sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they have like a vague idea and they just need a, help, a little bit of help narrowing it down. But what I experience is they come in the first time and they're like, I don't really know. And, and they're in like a lot of doubt and they're asking me for like, a, like I have to give a lot of information and I have to like serve up a lot of things and talk about a lot of different things. And then they'll come in the next time and they'll be like, I think this, and I'd like to focus on these couple of things. And I'm like, okay. And then like, we, we pull a little bit and, and then the next time they come in and, you know, I, I had this client who was awesome. And the first time it was like, you know, I was basically like, don't start looking until you're ready to have a job because a lot of stuff has come in, like more than you think is going to come in and, and you need to be deciding that you're ready to work. So if you want a break, give yourself a break. And she was like, oh my, she could have called me like a couple weeks later. And she was like, you're absolutely right. As soon as I like put it out there that I was looking, I had like five different offers and I like to do things that I, she's like, I was totally overwhelmed. So I, she started doing the interviews. So then she came in and she kind of 
she was like, this is my impression. And this is like my first thoughts about this. And I want to just kind of look at these two different options. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, I don't think it's an either or. I was like, I think you can take this and then still take on that project and have those connections. And she was like, oh my God. She's like, I didn't even think of that. She's like, but it, like that totally makes sense. I could absolutely do that. Um, and then once she was kind of ready to make the decision, we looked at both of them, but she came in and she was kind of like, yeah, I think I already know but I just want to reinforce what I already know. So it's literally what we're just talking about. And then she came in and she was like, okay, I know I want this one. How, how can I negotiate? I've never negotiated before. And I was like, I'm going to be honest. I'm looking at this and they have no idea what to offer you. I was like, they have, they have no clue. I was like, they, they've never had somebody do this job. They're a little bit confused. They don't want to be insulting. It's like, I think you're going to have to like give a number. And I was like, you know, so pick a big number that you like and then add money to that. And she negotiated a $50,000 salary increase. And she's like, I would have never done that. She's like, I've never, ever negotiated ever for a job. She's like, and I would have never done that if we hadn't done these sessions. And I was like, I am not charging enough. Like, yes, I, I am not charging enough for this shit because I could see it. I was like, they had like no clue. And she's like, this is so much more money than I was making. She's like, I am flabbergasted, like just absolutely. And I think it's one of the, one of the things that I really love about it is seeing people reinforcing over time that connection to their intuition to the point where they come into me and I have so many clients like this they come into me and they're like I'm pretty sure it's this thing I just want to look at these couple of angles and I want to know like what steps would help me right now or what resources would help me right now and like that's what we do you know and I'm like this is like what I am here for because I love talking to people about intuition and helping people connect with that and I really see that ultimately as, as what tarot is really a tool for. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love this all so much. I've got stuff percolating in the back, back of my brain right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm realizing we gotta wrap this conversation up. I know. I know. I can't believe it went so fast. So let's end with one final question. Yeah. If you had a billboard that you could put anywhere in the world, but everybody in the world could read it, what would it say? Oh my gosh. Oh, this is such a good question. Oh, I just had this quote. Hold on. I just had this quote and I won't, I like, I keep repeating it to myself because I love it so much. And it's from Rachel Cargill. Um, and I think because this is just like recently on my mind and I also feel like we all need to hear it all the time. Um, and she basically said, Making decisions isn't as risky when I know that all I'm doing is betting on myself. Regardless of what happens on the other side, I trust that if it doesn't work out, I know how to get my footing again. And if it does, I can run with it. And I just, I loved that so much because just the reframe of when I'm making a decision, I'm ultimately betting on myself. Like I've always felt like I can bet on myself and like I bet on myself before I'd bet on anybody else. Like I, I know that I can do these things. And in those moments, and especially as an entrepreneur, when doubt creeps in, I kind of go back to that and, and just like remind myself of that all the time is that in this thing that feels very risky, I'm ultimately just like betting on myself, which is like, I mean, if you can get to that level where you're just like, this is the best investment I can make is to bet on myself in all of these different scenarios. Like you're in a pretty good place. Yeah. That feels so not scary. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, it was so, I couldn't believe how much just like reading that, like, it just like, I took this like deep breath and it just like let all of like the stress out of my body, like at once. And I was like, oh shit, that is all I'm doing. You know? I like to remind myself that, and my clients that you, you can't possibly make a mistake. Because a mistake is only something we judge in hindsight. Yep. So whatever decision you make right now will be the perfect decision for right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, like, another thing, like, on that is when I have these sessions with people and they're like, 
like, is it yes or yes or no? And I'm like, well, you're only saying yes to one thing and no to something else. Every time you make a decision, you're saying that. And like, if you focus every time on what you feel like you're losing, it will always be scary because you'll always feel like you're losing something. But if you focus on what you're gaining, it will always feel empowering because you're deciding to choose that for yourself. You know, I love that. Thank you so much, Sheila. Before we head out, where can people learn more about you, listen to your podcast and work with you? Yes. So you can find me online at starsagespirit.com. So that's star, like the thing in the sky, sage, like the plant and spirit, like, you know, spirits. Um, And you can also find me on Instagram under the same name. And my podcast is called Living Tarot. Kelsey is going to be on in a few weeks, I think. Um, I'm not sure when this is coming out. So um, I don't don't know either. (laughs) And um, I have new episodes every week. It is partially me talking about my own experience with tarot, with Reiki, with energy work, with intuition, and partially me interviewing um, other people about their experience of connecting with intuition in real life situations and what that looks like. Um, And then I also have um, courses on learning tarot and um, my main course, Practical Tarot for Everyday Intuitives is really meant for everyday people who are trying to use intuition and cultivate that and really reconnect with themselves. And, um, you know, you can find all of my projects and everything on there. Thank you so much. You are such a gift. I'm so, I'm so excited. This was such an easy conversation to have. So thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know, you guys, Sheila and I had so much fun together that perhaps we are going to do a little something, something with human design and tarot. Stay tuned. In the meantime, please go check out Sheila's website and all of her offerings and her podcast, Living Tarot, and check out my website and all of my offerings at KelseyAbbott.com. I love you. Go forth and be awesome.